Hello and welcome to Movies I Wish I Made. My name's Haley Devlin. I am a well, producer. Uh, films, can... the films I wish I made. <laughs> oh shit, all right. Don't Take fuck up our two. title. <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> it's fine. I wasn't no. even facing the microphone. All right. Hello and welcome to Films I Wish Okay, fuck. the films <laughs> I wish I made. <laughs> That's the name of the fucking podcast. The films I wish I made. Is this going to be like a Keanu thing where they asked to be named John Wick because I can't remember the title of the goddamn no, podcast? No, because I already did the first episode introduction. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to the... Thi <laughs> I was going to say the films. That's not it. I am going to get this right. Where's your mic? I can't even what? see it. It's right here. Oh, okay. Off camera. Oh, gotcha. Can, I mean, I, I'm supposed to be looking at you. I don't I don't know why you're... Why I'm, It's tits at a mic. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Tits, tits at a Mic. A mic. <laughs> that, could, that could be your next podcast, Tits at a Mic. I mean, that's a title I can remember, so that's a start. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> All right. Hello, welcome back to the films I wish I made. Did I get that title right? You did, <laughs> but I... <laughs> now I gotta do it again. I didn't have the confidence. The confidence. No, that's fine. <laughs> we'll just keep going from here. <laughs> All right, at least our sound is synced. All right. Hello and welcome to the films I wish I made. My name is Haley. I'm a producer. I'm here with Ryan. I am Ryan Rochelle. Yes, that is who I am. Ryan's a filmmaker. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, my handle is Spooky Cook Haley. And I am at Ryan Rochelle. Um, or you can follow the production company at Dakins Productions. That's D A A K I N S. Definitely follow us there. Stay in contact. Today we're going to be talking about Jeepers Creepers. It's a horror film. Came out in 2001. It was Justin Long's first major role. We also have Gina Phillips starring. Jonathan Breck as the Creeper. Directed by Victor Salva. Um, who are some other heavy players in this? I don't think there are. I loved the cinematography. Now I want to name the cinematographer because I'm going to talk about him a lot. I wrote his name down here. Fair enough. It was. It's hard to pronounce. So I need to look at it while I'm saying it. <laughs> it was French or something. Oh, those French cinematographers. Sorry. I got to get my notes in order. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We're off to a lovely start. <laughs> You're going to cut out this little part where I had to search for his name, Ryan. I'm not cutting any of this out. Um, you, right. know, you know what? Justin Long was in before this. What? He had a small role in Galaxy Quest. <laughs> he was that's, a Galaxy Quest. Are you, he, that's he it. He was small in that, but he did a damn good job at that. That's actually part of the reason why he was cast in this film. Because Victor Salva liked what he did in Galaxy Quest. And I was like, that's the kid. Are you serious? Galaxy Quest kid. I'm going to put him in my movie. Nice. And that's how I imagine Victor Salva talks. I don't know for sure. But yeah, that's... That's essentially. Yeah. So then, you know, you have this movie. It's Justin Long's first major starring role. And, right. you know, he knocks out of the ballpark. Obviously, oh, yeah. But um, Justin Long carries this film on his back for sure. He really does, though, with how lovable he is. Yeah. But his performance is the best in the entire. No one else 
is as good as him in this film. No, they really aren't. Yeah, that's not to knock anyone, but the, the here's the thing. When you're doing a a horror film, it's not necessarily low budget, but the budget goes to other things like makeup and effects and and your creature and all sorts of um practicals that you want to do, especially from this time period, no CGI. Um they've got some stunts, so you don't put a lot of money and talent. No. So the fact that Justin Long is in this movie is a godsend for, for this movie. He was at the beginning of his career, but obviously very talented. And obviously he went on to do much bigger things. Yeah. So it's it, the proof is in the pudding there. I'm so grateful to have him in this film because it's without him, you don't have Jeepers Creepers because it's. He, he has so much life in this movie and he also has so much pain like he shows everything on his face so well that moments that could have come off as cheesy are one and they're one so hard just because of him um the cinematographer don e font leroy so yeah i wanted to give a shout out to the cinematographer because so many of this the moments in this movie that are really big wins are because of the camera work the camera work in this film doesn't get enough credit it's a large part of why i picked it yeah I was surprised. Yeah, this is not a film I've gone back to since I originally saw it. Uh, spoiler alert. This is going to be filled with spoilers. Hey, everyone. If you haven't seen Jeepers Creepers, make sure you go check out the official release. These are great films that everyone should see. Frankly, if you haven't, you're really missing out. So go watch the movie and then come back to the films I wish I made. Or the curse of spoilers will befall you for a hundred years. So let me start out by summarizing the film in case anybody's rusty. This is Derry and his older sister, Trish. They're taking the scenic route home from college. They're on spring break. They're in the middle of nowhere, really far out there. Trish is having problems with the guy she's dating, so she wanted to take the long route home, enjoy the countryside. Um, But things quickly take a turn for the worse uh, when they run into the creeper on the road. And uh, they have a road rage battle. And then later on, they see the guy dumping bodies down a pipe. And that's when things just cascade out of control and their lives are changed forever. Very changed. They find this monster that they just can't shake. And then the monster is just determined to kill them. And it's just after that, them versus the monster. I get major dual vibes, especially in the initial uh, run-in with the, the the creeper in the in the truck. It's it's I I think very heavily inspired by by Steven Spielberg's duel. Um, just the whole menacing uh, giant truck about to mow you down, and you think it's gonna go that route, but it it, it a lot of other things happen and develops so much more. And the horror from that comes from how it's shot. The film opens up on this big wide shot and you can see their car far off in the distance in this desolate highway. And, you know, the camera pans, you know, as they're coming up on a turn in the highway and you see the car and the car takes forever to get to you, really establishing how lonesome this road is. Uh, The camera turns the road into a character itself with how it films this. and. Then they're in this old car with one of those big, clear, uh, easy-to-see-through back windshields. And they're driving, and we hear the brother-sister chitter-chatter um, really showing 
that they're true people, real problems, um, good character development. I really love the conversations that they're having there. But, you know, essentially, you know, Derry and his older sister, they're playing these games on the highway. You know, they um, see a license plate. Derry thinks it's gay fever. <laughs> they get up a bit closer. Trish says it's sexy forever. And she, you know, she makes Derry look like an idiot. Um, and it's a really fun moment. And, you know, yeah, after so she's the smart one. Right. So after that really fun moment, it takes a quick, dark turn. And we have one of my most favorite camera shots of any horror movie ever filmed. Um, the RV that they're behind turns off the highway. And in the very, very, very far distance, we get our first glimpse of that creepy bone chilling vehicle. It is just the most awful thing you've ever seen. But it's it's out of focus at this point, but you could see so clearly through that back windshield in this car. And even though we were just shown how big, how far away that car must be because they established how big this highway is, yeah. you just slowly see it come up on them and faster and faster and faster. And then right when it's about to just right be in the back seat of their car, it's in full focus and you hear that haunting horn. That horn sound is so creepy. That <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a real, I love that shot too. It's a slow burn. It is. You know, you know it's coming and it's, it's, it's there's a lot of tension there because they have no idea what is upon them. Yeah. And you as the audience member are forced to just stew in it. Yes. Until they're suddenly startled by the the horn. For them that truck basically teleports behind them and they play it really well too. They do. It and it that makes it so horrific. And and that just sets it up right from there that oof, it it hits you in the gut that moment. I love it so much. Um, but you know, this film's actually special to me for a multitude of reasons. I think, you know, I think it's the first horror film of this time that stands out because it wasn't a slasher. Um, you know, Kevin Williamson was so big for so many years in a row there with all the scream movies. Um, I know what you did last summer, urban legend. It was that time period we had had so many of those or the faculty, you know, it was all, yeah, all very teeny cookie cutter kill teenagers very teen slashy cookie cutter i mean the faculty's not a slasher but you know it, they all had that same feel yeah and this one really broke that mold it felt like we were entering a new a new era of horror which which is why it stands out to me so much it was just a notable breakout it was a notable change it had let us know that that chapter was ending for me at least um so that's why this means so much to me and um Again, I was young. This was one of those movies where I found it just from scrolling through the channels and it was on HBO one night and I caught the tail end of it. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, I need to see this thing, you know, the whole thing. And it was just one of those movies where I returned to it again and again. You know, it didn't matter what part I was picking up at. If it was on TV, I would watch it. Um, and it was just a film that cemented my love uh, for horror. It really... Um, it just meant so much to me. It, it just, there's something weird and comforting about horror for me. When I watch a horror film, it's like being wrapped up in a warm blanket. I I don't know why, but it's just, for me, ho horror films more than anything else really take me out of reality. And I watch TV to get out of reality. Yeah, I, I remember, I guess when this came out, I was 13. um, And I remember renting it on DVD. 
Uh, I, I'm pretty sure from Blockbuster. <laughs> R.I.P. Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. I remember liking it a lot, but this is now my second time watching it for the podcast. Like, so I've only seen it twice in total. It was never something I felt like I needed to go back to. Um, interestingly enough, um, I think it has to do with just the way the story is told. It's like a mystery and I was on the edge of my seat wanting to know more, wanting to have these questions answered. And once they were answered, I didn't feel like I need to go back and rewatch the movie necessarily. Um, and I, and it was funny cause all these years have passed and I very vividly still remember the key moments that for me make this film, uh, phenomenal. So right. to know that like all those decades went by and I still re- pretty much remembered the beats and didn't really forget anything important that it, it, it it's a testament to how much this film sticks with you and not just from constantly rewatching. It does. And it has some big beats in it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The, the big wins here, I think in this film are really big wins. I think Going back, it definitely has moments where it loses its funk. It almost feels like you're watching a different movie all of a sudden. But the parts that it wins, the parts that are iconic and stick with people are shot so well. And they're so horrifying. I think that's why this is still a big, big film in the horror community. A lot of people like it. A lot of people like the sequel. Um, I don't want to talk about the third movie and we're not going to go there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I Um, (laughs) I remember when you you were so excited when they were like, there's a Jeepers Creepers 3. And I was like, oh, no, this is not. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't feel like a Jeepers Creepers movie. And it, I watched part of it. It tore my heart out. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a bad it's a bad movie. What can you do? <laughs> Don't watch it. I love the sequel. I love the sequel. That one has more excitement in it. And it's not about the mystery because you have a lot of answers already. Yeah. So I feel like they they embraced what we already knew. And so I felt like that one had more rewatchability. I actually have seen Jeepers Creepers 2 a, a handful of times, like it, at least at least yeah. four or five times. So I've, I've seen it a lot. If that's on TV and I'm scrolling through, I will watch Jeepers Creepers 2. Um, if it's, you know, I can't figure out what to watch. I'll watch Jeepers Creepers 2 on Netflix, whatever it's on. I, I love the second one a lot, too. Having said that, going back to the original, it feels like when I watch this movie, the first 30 minutes feel like a different movie to me than the last hour. Um, and I think it's when they were shooting it, going back to the cinematography, when they're out in those fields in Florida, um, the whole first 30 minutes are actually daylight. I mean, aside from Derek, you know, when he goes underground. But I think what was so interesting is that this movie felt so scary. It it was so hair raising, even though it's sunny out and everything's green and it looks like everything should be happy. Um, I think that really stuck with me because it, it felt real. It felt like, uh, you know, when horror really happens to people in real life, when something terrible happens, the world doesn't wait for it to be nighttime. It doesn't wait for it to be a stormy day. Like if something bad's going to happen to you, it, it'll just happen. Right. And it's not lit perfectly with like a shadow across your face. Like you're just you're just out in the elements. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Getting back to that scene. After we hear those horns. 
just the fear and panic that goes into Derry and his sister. And they're swerving all over the road and that horn just won't stop. And, and they're like, go around me, go around me. Just the terror in Justin Long's voice sells that so well. And it's, it's such a reversal from the pure, happy, silly moment they were just having together. And um, just watching you know, the car do that. And then suddenly it does get around them and you see it speeding off into the distance, just showing you how fast it goes. I thought it was, there were a lot of interesting camera angles in there. I thought it was shot well. I thought the way they handled that, I think a lot of the fear was added by the camera angles and shooting that they did. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we were saying like I, some things haven't aged well while others, I mean, it's it it has like, it's, I, I, I couldn't help but laugh when they pull out, when she pulls out the quote unquote portable phone <laughs> like, right. that, that has no battery. And I'm just like, <laughs> we weren't calling them cell phones in 2001 or what, what's going on here? But <laughs> on top of that, like it's, I mean, I guess it's, it's cool because this is the time when you just barely had to worry about cell phones in horror movies. It's true. And it was fine to be like, oh, yeah, oh, it's prepaid and it doesn't have good range. Like nowadays, you know, no one has range in the entire country in a horror movie, no matter where you are. You'd be in your own living room and your phone it will not work <laughs> if you're in a horror movie. Right. You could be on Wi-Fi in a horror film. Your phone won't work. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like the beginning of that trope, really. I mean, as funny as it was, and I, it's funny to see her hold this little like, I don't know if it was like a Nokia brick phone, but it, it kind of looked like it. Yeah. But to hold this quote unquote portable phone and then just give birth to that trope of like, Oh, it it our one source for an outside line to help. It doesn't work. Why? Why me? Like, yeah. I, I I loved it. I was like, I couldn't believe it was happening. But at the same time, I was like, obviously, we need to get this out of the way. It was fun, but because at the time it felt fresh in this movie, it it didn't have, it didn't feel worn out yet. Um, and I think it's sold a lot better in this movie because of that. Um. But it is interesting to point out, I think if I look back, this does have to be the first movie where I see that now that you point that out. Yeah. I don't think I had seen it in a movie before. It was definitely very telling at the time. Because um, like you were saying, Scream was before this, really, like taking over the 90s. And obviously everybody's on landlines in, in that series. <laughs> I mean. They were, except for uh, except for Billy and uh you know. Right. They had the cell phones, but it was just like <laughs> it was such a new thing. And it was like, how did they how could he have possibly called you, but also been at your house? And it was just like <laughs> that's true. That was a big thing in Scream. Yeah, it was like it was like that was like the twist at the end. Like, oh, they had portable phones. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Billy and Stu had portable phones. The yeah. Whole time. yeah I mean, it was... Fucking masterminds, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, it was a very new thing. That's true. Another big win in this movie I want to talk about where Justin Long just over the top knocks it out of the park. Had he not done well in this moment or they'd casted somebody else, it, it wouldn't have been so strong. After they see the creeper dumping those bodies down the pipe and he says he wants to go back. Once, you know, Trish is holding his ankles, there's the rats, he falls down the pipe. You're talking about the, are you talking about the slow motion shot? 
The scene where he falls down the pipe and he's laying there and he wakes up. Right, yeah. And essentially the pipe becomes like a big flashlight. Like it, the pipe itself is shining a light on the whore that they've just uncovered. Right, yeah. Not only, okay, so two things I need to talk about here. The lighting is impeccable in this scene. That's what I like about the use of this pipe. It essentially, it's a giant flashlight. But um, Justin Long's performance too is just... Those two things together make it so special for me. I think that's what makes it a moment that really sticks with the viewer long after they've watched it. So he's down there. He's waking up. He stands up. You're looking up at Trish. She's at the top of the pipe. As he sees the body, Justin Long is backlit. But there's enough light in his face that you see the horror and dread. And then the camera pushes back and it reveals, you know, wow, the bodies are down here. And you see the look on his face even clearer during that shot. And your stomach just drops. And it doesn't drop because, you know, the the sheets are super scary. I mean, you know, it, it's because of Justin Long. That look on his face, it just puts like a rock in your stomach. So he goes over towards the bodies to try to you know, see what's going on. And and it grabs him by the ankle. And that I love that jump scare right there. Yeah, I forgot. That got me, obviously. I hadn't seen it in so long. That 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 got me again. Yeah, I mean that makes your heart jump. But when Justin Long goes down to the body, he's being backlit still by that tunnel that's acting as a flashlight, which I really love. And um he just the way his lip quivers and the way he's shaking and sweating and the absolute fear in his eyes as he opens up the sheets and realizes this guy's still alive. And then the guy is panicking and trying to show him, like point to his stomach, point to his stomach, and then you see Justin rip the sheet off his stomach and you realize this is a lot sicker than just murdering people. Right. Right. We're dealing with a madman. Yeah. You know, a serial killer, like a sick serial killer. It's funny when he falls into the sewer. I love the shot in slow motion. That's what I thought you were talking about. Like when he when he hits the ground, he sells that really well. But oh, he does. Yeah. When he gets up, he's like he's he's acting like his normal self. He's like bickering with his sister. He He's like, I cut my hand. I lost my shoe. This sucks. This is lame. Like, what a dumb idea. But then. He, when he turns around and that shot you're talking about, he realizes why he's down there again. It's like he forgot. He hit his head and he was just like, ow, my head hurts. When he turns around, he realizes, oh, right, there's a dead body down here. I'm like investigating a possible murder. And it, it, it all becomes so much more real for him in that moment because he was talking big when they were in that field. He was saying, when we should go back. We should. We should see if they're okay, see if they need help. And that's easier said than done because when he's there, he just doesn't know what to do. He's ill-equipped to deal with this situation. Oh, yeah. And he sells it. You're right. He sells it perfectly. And that poor that poor guy who can't speak who's been cut up. <laughs> yeah. And that's just so sick, too. And it, I think it's so unexpected on your first watch when you watch this movie and see that, oh, this is a person who's still alive and there's a cut down the center of their body and something's been taken out and they're stapled back together. I mean, that that sucks the wind out of your lungs. It's yeah, it's a hard watch. And what I think is interesting, though, with how many times I've seen this movie, if you look at Derry's face uh, when they cut to him, he's being backlit and it kind of creates a halo around his head like he's an angel 
for going back there to try to save these people. And I thought that was a oh, that's that was a really interesting thing to do camera wise. I thought it was um just a really nice touch. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I didn't that, think of that. But yeah, I, I don't think that scene would have been the same without Justin Long. No, definitely not. I mean, you get a hack actor in there and you're just like, come on, let's get to the murder. But this is like you're, you're connecting with him and and his panic and sympathy for this victim he found. And it's it's this is why I was talking about the mystery of the film is because on your first viewing, when you come across this, you don't know what's going on. This person's been cut. Something's been taken, obviously. They've been stitched back together, like you said. And you, you, you don't know why. And you're wondering why. Is this like some sort of black market, you know, organ donor situation? Like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. And you, you, they do it very well where they give you, they make you ask questions, but they make you try to figure out the answers. They give you time to try to figure out the answers. And then they do actually answer all the questions they ask or or they make you ask. That's true. Whereas, you know, some films, some films really drop the ball there and they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just we're making a movie. Right. And like that, that doesn't really matter. That that was just so we could do this scene or set this up. And this film doesn't do that at any point. It sets things up and it knocks them down the whole way through. That's very true. I think that's what makes it so satisfying, too. And then another fun thing that I noticed in this scene is that Derry picks up a flashlight after that person dies. Um, and the flashlight is almost like a mini tunnel. I don't know if there was meant to be symbolism there, but, um, you know, he walks into the room that's supposed to be, what, it's House of Pain. That's what the woman calls it later in the film. Yeah. Could have had a better uh, he, name. He walks into the next room where all the bodies are sewn along the walls and he doesn't even notice it until he goes to tie his shoe and he dips down and the audience sees it first. He puts the flashlight under his arm and then the flashlight behind him reveals this really sick thing, you know, where all these bodies are sewn together. Like, as he says later in the film, like a fucked up Sistine Chapel. And um, I thought that was a really cool reveal. Yeah, it's a great reveal. And I thought it was a really fun use of light. Oh, yeah. The way they the way they slowly tilt up and 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 uh, open the aperture up just ever so slightly. It's just a very gradual um, uh, exposing the image brighter so that you can actually make out the details in the wall that you couldn't originally it is it was like the cinematographer was trying to mimic a person's eyes adjusting to the dark exactly yeah yeah definitely that was such a nice touch and there's a lot of small nice touches like that to the cinematography in this film that don't get enough credit just because it's a horror film but i think they add a lot to the fear and to the beauty of this film just the beauty and how it's shot um but I, I just really love that. A lot of subtle touches that you should watch if you're going to rewatch this after the podcast. Yeah, which you should. <laughs> <laughs> rewatch all the movies before and after every episode. <laughs> yes. Um, I did think it was pretty stupid that he was like, 
hey, hang me upside down so I can get a better look in this pipe. <laughs> that was like, the, yeah, I was like, why would you do that, bro? Like, I thought you were going to climb down like a boss. But instead, he's like, yeah, he's like, I've got an that idea. It's not well thought out. Yeah. Hold me upside down so that you can drop me headfirst into a fucking tunnel that I have no idea what's below. <laughs> like, Right. I mean, yeah, that did not work out yeah, well. Yeah, obviously your sister isn't, like, the best bet to hold you steady in a damn tunnel upside Definitely. down. Definitely, and it's like, you know, Justin Long's not fat, but you look at him in that movie, and it's like, did he, I mean, what did he think he was going to do? He doesn't look like he has the core strength to get himself back up from that No, he doesn't. Anyways, had she not even dropped him, I, mean, I think about she, that a lot when yeah, watch what, it. Yeah, what was the plan? Because he was fully extended with no way to get back up. Like, Yeah, and it was slippery and wet. I, like, she must do Pilates. But- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was a very creepy church, though. I mean, a great shooting location. Whoever found that, that was a big win. Yeah, I wish we would have spent more time inside that church. That is one regret I have about this movie is that I have always wondered what was inside that church and how creepy it must have been. Right, because they don't really say if if the creeper lived in that church or what. No, um, that's something I'll get back to later. Um Definitely something I would have changed. I don't know if I would have put it in that part of the movie, but we would have gone in that church had I, you know, had a hand in this. But so uh, now we're at the point where it turns into a different movie at this point. I think the first 30 minutes are the strongest. They're iconic. They're what everybody remembers about this movie so vividly. And then after the pipe scene, they go to that diner. Um... And it, it starts to feel like a different film, I think, at that point. Right. Primarily, the light starts to dim a lot. And and it's we they spent so much time and so much hard work establishing how desolate it is. And then in the middle of nowhere, even though the parking lot's empty, they get to this diner that's fully packed, which doesn't hold up for me. Yeah, um, I, I love the look on everyone's face, though. They're just like, what's wrong? Like... <laughs> Is it that serious? Jesus. Like, it's such a small <laughs> they town. They are like that. They're yeah. like, this ruined my meal. Yeah. I was trying to have a nice evening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, they just don't give a going. shit. These two teenagers are like, help us. And they're just like, well, I'm eating flapjacks. So I can only do one, <laughs> one thing at a time now. And these flapjacks are mighty tasty. <laughs> That's everyone's vibe in that diner. That That's definitely true. Yeah. The whole town is like, F you, I've got bigger fish to fry. We all know about that's, the pain yeah. house, the house of pain. So you just knew in town. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. They're like, oh, you found out about that thing? Shrug. Let me yeah. eat my chicken fried steak. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it yeah. slows it slows down here. Yeah. But in a good way, because... This is where it's giving us time to like ask the uh, try to figure out the answers to those questions. And that's what makes it so satisfying when it answers and it takes a left turn, because at this point, we don't think anything supernatural is going on. That's true. Until that phone call happens. Yeah, they, it's a little weird. When out of the place. psychic calls the diner. Yeah, I, that, that one felt really out of left field. I love it and I hate it at the same time because I love that actress. Um, she's so heartwarming. In the grand scheme, it makes some sense because we we're in the supernatural world, so it's fine. You you 
you come to terms with it by the end of the movie, but it is so left field with us not understanding and having no inclination that there is anything supernatural in this movie yet. That you just like you you don't even understand that she's a psychic in that scene. You just like, how does this lady know all this stuff about him? When was she seeing all of this? Did she witness any of this stuff? How did she know to call them there at that time? Yeah. So again, but that's another example of them making you ask questions and trying to figure out these answers. And eventually they do give you all the proper answers in good time. So it's it's it does feel rewarding. It's just it's just it's one of those films that doesn't let you get ahead of it. And that's kind of frustrating sometimes, especially if you're really good at watching movies. No, that's true. That This film actually does do that very well. Um, and I think that's why I liked it so much from the start, because you are just kind of like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, it, it's really hard to do that. You know, it's hard to write something where you're ahead of the audience with how many movies people watch nowadays. I mean, it's not an easy feat. Right. It's yeah. And it's even harder today. And that's, you know, on the other side of that, though, I mean, you could also argue that it felt, kind of felt like they're trying to cram too much into one movie. Yeah. There's a psychic and this weird monster. But if anything, I wish they would have done more with the whole psychic element in the sequel. Maybe have that character come back. Yeah. You know, when I watched the sequel, I was upset she wasn't in it because it's like she survived. She's still in that county and I like her a lot. Um, right. Yeah, they could have done a lot more with the sequel. Uh, the, they could have brought the sister back as well. I mean, who knows? But right. You know, I like to think that um that they're actually happening in the same week or something, because he only comes back every 23 years. Right. And you look at the sequel and what Trish and uh, Derry are wearing, and they're essentially kind of in the same time. So I almost wonder if it was within the same 23 days. Right. Yeah. Pro yeah, probably. That's how I like to think of it. Yeah. I mean, it only makes sense. It's not like the thing, the, the sequel takes place in the future. No, it definitely wasn't 23 years later. Yeah. I don't know when the third one takes place. They didn't, you know, like that. They, it's like they threw that rule out the window. Yeah. So just another reason why they don't, you know, you got to follow your lore. You do. If you set a mythos up, you got to stick to it. And so what I like about this one is that they give you those answers at the right times. Like they don't wait too long uh, because even though it, it it's kind of like, only a writer can do this because they can they know what their story is they know what information they need to give you but then they can choose when to give it why is the movie called Jeepers Creepers it's like you're ha you're halfway in or you're like 40 minutes in and she plays the song for him off on vinyl the psychic you know mm -hmm. when you hear that song and it's so weird cuz you don't understand she's a psychic you don't understand what she's trying to warn him of uh you don't understand that She's saying, I had a vision. This song is part of that vision, right? So you need to... Right. Um, so that's why you're so confused, but on purpose, because it's on the radio later. The, there's a cover of it on the radio. Right. And he's like, oh, that's the song. That's the song. We're, uh, we're in danger, blah, 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 blah. And sh But not until you get to the police station where she's like, no, that wasn't my vision. It's playing on a phonograph. Like, it's the actual the version I played for you, it's exactly verbatim like that. That's the way it, it happens. And so then you get that ending 
that comes true because her visions, I guess, are never wrong. One of the last questions right. that they answer, because she never specifically says, uh, yes, they always happen or no, they don't always happen. We're given that answer with the, the last visuals of the film. That was the last thing Trish said to Jezebel at the end. She says, you never answered him. Are your dreams ever wrong? What did you mean? Derry was screaming alone in the dark while that song played. And it's so painful for that woman. She just deflects. She can't even answer. She says, you know, she says to Trish, I'm just a crazy old woman. Yeah. That's all she is willing to say. She tried so hard to save them and kept, you know, reiterating, I see these visions, I see these visions. And then at the end, all she says is, I'm just a crazy old woman. Cause it was just too painful for her to say it out loud that they're never wrong, I think. Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, she says things like, uh, don't you know how hard it is for me to tell you this, knowing it won't make a difference? You know, things like that. She's she has dialogue here and there that hints to the fact that she she understands her efforts to be futile. Yeah. But I think it speaks to the character that she's still willing to go through all that trouble to try her best, knowing that she's still putting her life at risk. I I do think that's important about her character. Uh, One thing I wanted to jump back to, you were talking about when they hear the cover song. Um, I love that scene when the cops are following them down the highway so much because... Derry is screaming about the song. He's like, this is the song, Trish. This is the song. He's playing it loud. And then yeah. they go back to my favorite shot of using the back windshield to reveal information. And they are so caught up in this song, they have no clue. But we start to see the cop car behind them swerving. I mean, you see the Jeep. The first time we see the Jeeper himself and realize that he's not a man, realize he's something supernatural. Um, is when he's standing on top of that car, uh, cop car, to me at least. And the, the first time we see him doing something supernatural is through that back windshield. And I thought that was a really good use. Yeah. It's, but, but it's not immediate. Even, even in that scene, it's not immediate that they show, oh, this is a creature. He lands on the car. You don't know that it can fly. You don't know how it got on top of the car. It pulls out like a battle axe. So you're like, well, this is a person with a weapon. I don't know, maybe they're really agile or whatever. But then as that scene progresses, you realize, yeah, this what, no, this is something else. This is not just a regular guy because he was not flying off the car as it swerves. Yeah. You know, and yeah, no, it got it was so gradual that they reveal his different abilities and just what a monster he really is. Right, right. I mean, it's 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 also comical. It's a comical scene. Like it's it's one of the scenes where they embrace the camp. Yes, they do. They 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 tote that line and you're not sure in some scenes. Like certain characters seem campy. Justin Long always seems grounded to me. He always seems like he's really being honest with his uh portrayal. Yeah. But this is one of those scenes that is full camp. Everybody's in on it. Like Justin Long is yelling at the top of his lungs because he's trying to be like, this is the song. Like he's just, he's like blasting the song <laughs> just so he can yell over it. Like, this is the song. And obviously yeah. that's so they can't hear any of the craziness going on behind them. But yeah, the craziness behind them is filmed comedically in that wide shot. Oh, it is. Yeah. You see the car swerving all around as they're yelling in the foreground, like this is the thing she was talking about. The, while this thing is just like rodeo riding this cop car <laughs> yeah like, like it's like it's not a big deal 
and it, it and then obviously the way it i mean it it dismembers the cops and like decapitates the cops and like plays with the head and eats the tongue like it's yeah but like it they sell it like it's gonna kiss it's kissing the severed head when really it's like eating the tongue it's it's yeah. all just you know so over the top over the top camp and it's 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 awesome it's amazing it, it, and it went from being so grounded to, oh, now we're here. And I love it that, you know, it was an 80s cover of the song when the camp comes in, you know, it, it was so fitting. And then, you know, when he is making out with the severed head before he bites off his tongue, you know, that billboard behind them. It's for a butcher shop. <laughs> I didn't even I don't catch know if that. you caught that. No, I didn't. Yeah, the billboard behind the creature says tastes so darn good. And it is a butcher billboard. And it's like 1950s. It's it's a really over-the-top scene. And they they did not tone down anything. Like they were going for over the top for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Do you want to get to the ending of, of the film or did you have more to talk about the journey there? One more thing I want to talk. I, you can't not mention the cat lady. Oh, of course. Oh, I almost forgot. Okay. Yeah, no, the cat lady. I felt so bad for her. <laughs> oh, God. I, I hate them for getting her killed. She was awesome. I know. She's like, what the hell did you bring to my house? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I don't want the government around here. She was <laughs> yeah. badass, like, in yeah. every single sense. I mean, she loves cats. She sits alone in the dark listening to the radio. She doesn't care about anybody. Yeah. I, she's all alone. She was like, all right, well, I guess you could use the telephone. She don't have a phone until she was like, all right, but don't don't let them know my address. <laughs> I know. I love it. I, off the grid cat lady is one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. You know, and it was foretold. You know, we the, the lady, the psychic was like, oh, the cats. Have you seen the cats yet? They're right. a big deal. And, you know, Justin Long started to put things together in his head. And um, I just thought it was really fun because, you know, she's like, anybody else with you? <laughs> You know, she reminds me of that one old gambling lady from Futurama. She's like that. She looks like the cat lady from The Simpsons, almost. Yeah, same, same. I, I both Matt Groening, but, you know. Yeah, of course. It's um, the same character. Let's be real. Yeah. But I love it when she grabs her shotgun and she uses her exploding buckshot. You know, the stuff right. that's famous for causing crazy wildfires to shoot at something in her dry cornfield. <laughs> um. I, didn't, I didn't think about all that. But yeah, it's pretty over the top when she blows the fucking thing up. Yeah, that, that blowing up the scarecrow thing was so over the top and it was yeah. so fun. And I was like, yeah, cat what lady. What did she blow up, though? Because like. It was gone. Like it, it moves out of the way. But the, but the way they shot it is like she blew it up. Like it happened so fast. Because there's no way her scarecrow I, exploded like that. <laughs> no, I think it was meant to be the scarecrow. I think he was actually in front of the scarecrow, blocking it rather than having ripped it down instead like that. Um, yeah, I guess it's just the way it happened so fast. It's almost like they blew yeah. up a dummy of the creeper but then they sh cut to the creeper like no it moved and it's not there it's like it, it's like it had an yeah. after image it moved so fast i don't know it was weird it, it almost seems like a mistake but the moment's so fun i don't really care yeah exactly like fuck it like let's blow yeah. it up but it healed really quick i don't know yeah but uh yeah i did feel bad for her uh kicking the bucket all because of these stupid teenagers who pissed off the creeper but, you know, she got a couple shots in and she was all she was about that life. And she went out like she lived. 
<laughs> she did. Uh, you know, I will never forget Cat Lady. That was always has a place in my heart. <laughs> um, so some fun trivia I wanted to go over just before I talk about what I did. I would do differently. Um, Francis Ford Coppola executive produced this movie. Wow. Um, not expected. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even pay attention to that in the credits. I really didn't notice that at all. You didn't know that? No, I didn't notice. I didn't I wasn't looking for it. I thought that was wild. Um, when I found that out, I was trying to dig more about how or why. I guess he was just a longtime mentor of Victor Salva. So MGM actually wanted more bankable names to play the two leads in this film. But uh Francis Ford Coppola used his clout to just be like, nope, we're sticking with uh, Justin Long and Gina Phillips. Um, And he actually um, executive produced the second one, too. Nice. Another fun trivia, the pissing scene. (laughs) When they get out of the car to pee. Yeah, it's such a weird, cringy scene. (laughs) It is. It's weird. Uh, I mean, obviously, something you got to do on road trips. I guess it shows how desolate it was that you you just got to pee in this field. There's no bathrooms. Yeah, but I wouldn't talk to my sister while I did it. No, (laughs) no. Well, here's where it gets worse. Apparently, Justin Long was actually peeing. Wow. It wasn't faked. Wow, that's weird. That's that's what the fuck? (laughs) I know, right? So we're watching scat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're literally watching Justin Long pee. So we're always watching stuff like that. And we're just like, yeah, that's not real, though. That's just some yellow water. Like, and that just to know that, like, no, I'm really watching Justin Long pee right now. That's so fucking weird <laughs> to know. Thanks, <laughs> Bailey. You know, uh, shout out to the cinematographer, though. The way that piss is backlit. It's <laughs> <really> beautiful. <laughs> it's got a nice, warm vibrance to it. You know, I, I, he, was, he was only uh, so hydrated. How many takes could they really do? They probably just, you know, in one shot, the way, you know, he, he tilts up the camera, it's backlit. I mean, it, yeah, you got to nail that go, focus I mean, pull the, on the piss. One and we're done. He nailed it. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, you don't, you miss the focus <laughs> on that piss shot. You're, you, that takes a while to reset. <laughs> it, it does. That does take a very long while to reset, especially with how golden it was, too. You, know, you yeah. can't get the clear piss. It's just not the same. Uh, golden showers during the golden hour. <laughs> <laughs> I know, a new meaning to golden hour, huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay, any other interesting trivia that isn't scat related? There is. I'm going to tie this into how I would have done it differently. Okay, sure. I have big problems with the diner scene. Okay. It needs to be more empty. I don't like there being that many people there. I think it's weird that that many people were also dining that that long, that it's all the same people in the diner, you know, after the cops get there and the sun's gone down. I mean... That scene has a lot of problems. It's not working. I think a creepier diner with maybe just a bar, maybe like five people in there would have been a lot better. It would have helped keep that atmosphere of, oh, this area is still desolate. Right. They definitely got away from that. They were like, they're in a town now. Yeah. And I didn't like that. I just didn't like that. And I thought it was unbelievable that there would be a community that big around where this thing's killing people. Um... Well, it's got to get by. It just I it guess. needs to be more desolate. Yeah, you know, as much as I love her, sadly, I would get rid of the psychic woman, and that's only 
because I would do major changing to the end here. Yeah, it's definitely something you could do differently. And I think especially since, you know, she doesn't even have a presence in the sequel. And I think it it just didn't bring enough to the film. Like, it's sad, but it, in a sense, she's only there to foreshadow stuff. I mean, it's it, it feels like there's too much going on for me. You know, we have the creeper. We have the psychic woman. Um, you know, she she keeps foreshadowing, you know, Derry's awful death. But I just don't think it's needed. Would you foreshadow things still like uh, or how would you foreshadow? Or how would you communicate the vague information about the creeper to your main characters? Because that's really what the purpose she serves. Yeah, that I think it could be done in a number of different ways. I think maybe somebody at the diner could tell them more about the urban legend. Um, like there is one person at the diner who believes them. I think that might have fit in a bit better than the weird phone call. Yeah, I could see that. Another thing, I don't like the cop scene at the end. That's where it starts to get kind of ridiculous and feel like a completely different movie than what I started watching. Oh, it's super camp in the when they get to the police department. Well, I love it. I loved it at the time when I first watched it. Um, I had actually only seen the co- the cop, you know, blowout ending. And that was what made me want to go back and watch the whole movie. But um, I think the highway plays such an iconic role in this movie. It needs to end on the highway. I don't think it should end with a whole bunch of people, you know, in a cop station. It just it feels like we got somewhere so far away from where we started. It's it's pretty funny. They end up in a room with just like everyone's like all the cops are swatted up, ready to go to war. And and this thing is just like like completely out in the open and then just flies away with the with the main character. Especially because um I even this thing's been like um like a legend for so many years. I maybe not the actual monster itself, but that desolate highway being scary. Nobody knows why people go missing on that highway. You know, Trish says at the beginning, you know, once I heard that story, I always thought this would be the highway I died on, and it's you know for that thing to suddenly be okay with revealing its identity to that many people. It's like you know it's only really gotten away with being able to kill people on that highway for so long because it kind of stays hidden. I would assume, right. you know. So I don't, I don't understand. Oh, let me let thirty, forty cops see me, and I'm going to eat these prisoners. Blah blah blah. Just because I want dairy. I mean, yeah. The film really starts to get away from itself there. I mean. It does pack up and move to a new location. Like, obviously, it burned it down. And so who knows how long that thing has been doing what it does in various locations. Maybe it just packs up and moves on. And I mean, who would believe you True. if you saw that thing? It's probably gotten it's probably gotten along just fine with being such an unbelievable creature that once it packs up and leaves and it burned down all the evidence, you know, it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? But it could definitely ending on the road sounds like a much better ending to me. Like you could go to the police station, but still like get out of it. Like they have to get out of there because the cops can't protect them from it. And then it could still end on the road. I think Derry and Trish need to realize um, maybe information this new person would have given them at the diner. I would have liked to them to be like, you know what? We need to take this into our own hands. We can't let this horror go on. We can't let more people die. Like Derry chooses to be a hero. You know, they see that the cops can't stop it and they try to go back to where it lives at the church. I would have liked like a 
a big showdown at the church with Derry and Trish to happen as like the climax. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, even for them not to get all home alone, but for them to maybe try to set a trap for it or something. Yeah, set a trap for it. Find some way to try to kill it there, I think would have been really cool. We could have seen how creepy the church was. We could have found out more about the creeper inside that church. Um, And obviously in my version, the church wouldn't have burned down. I assume so. Um, That sounds like a much better ending to me. I mean, it would be more powerful. And it also, because Derry didn't really have any redeeming qualities. Like, he he wasn't a bad guy, and I, but I was never convinced he was a good guy. And it was little things like when he fell in the hole and he said, if you see that truck coming, you get back to this hole and you yell down as loud as you can. It's like, if that truck is coming back, like, I mean, I'd imagine you'd tell your sister to, like, hightail it out of there and don't worry about me. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of line I would expect from, an, uh, you know, a noble brother. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that's kind of the kind of thing I would have said. You know, I would have said, if you see that truck, you drive and you don't look back. Like, don't worry about me. Like, just tr- just take off. You go get help. I'll be fine. That would have been stronger. Yeah, if you to, to say if you see the truck come back to the hole and yell and let him know that we're here and like get yourself killed. You know, I, I didn't like that. And so, yeah, I didn't care for that much either. Yeah. She tries to save him by sacrificing herself at the end, but I didn't feel like it was earned. I didn't feel like he deserved that kind of sacrifice. Obviously I get that your siblings, but this whole movie, he hasn't really stepped up to be believable to me as like this amazing brother that you love. That's true. And it, So I think some sort of character change, yeah, where we could turn him into a hero um, just would have been stronger. And this is interesting because I was reading that millions of dollars were taken out of the budget and Victor Salva had to scrap so much of the script um, before shooting. And that at some point, Derry was actually supposed to get a hold of the Creeper's truck to have a showdown with the Creeper. Oh, okay. (laughs) And and he was going to crash it into a train, which... I thought that would have been really cool. That would have been, they should have kept that in the movie more so than the police. Yeah, that's way precinct better. Precinct scene. Well, that makes sense. I didn't yeah, know the budget but, was slashed. That's why they ended up sticking at the police station. I guess they probably were going to leave the police station originally. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess the main change, you know, I think Derry needs to be turned into a hero and we need a, a different ending, you know, maybe Derry stealing the creeper's truck, um, and maybe that truck has some sort of special thing that can only kill the creeper or something and just maybe running the creeper down on the highway and then maybe at the house he found some special sword or something that could only kill the creeper. I don't know. Just some sort of ending on the highway with cars. Derry's a hero. Maybe even Derry dies while he's trying to kill the creeper and they both die together. Just sacrifice style. Sacrifice, head on, you know, mono e mono sort of thing. I think would have been more powerful, especially with such a strong beginning. Yeah. Such a strong 30 minutes. And then it just kind of unravels the way it does. Um, and, and I still love it, even as the way it is. But I, I think it could have been elevated to something so much more. Um, you know, those few things have been done differently. Right. It sounds like your version, if you were to ever reboot it, would definitely be a much more grittier, darker version that doesn't have all the camp of the original. It would. And, you know, I I find it odd that I'm that I would do that because I love camp so much. But I think 
I'm so absolutely obsessed with the first 30 minutes of this film. I, I adore it so much. It, it has such an impact on me. And there's no camp really in the first 30 minutes. Right. That when we, it, it took too long to add the camp, you know, and I, I rather they have stuck to the feelings and the grittiness of those highway shots of the conflict. And, and just, it was just so strong. It was so, it felt so dark and serious in those first 30 minutes. Did you ever see that deleted scene of when the creeper actually talks? No, I didn't. Do you know where to watch that? I, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, but it's when he grabs the cat lady and he smells her or like looks around at uh, Derry and he says something directly to him. I don't remember what the line was. It was forgettable, but it was like a joke basically. And it was just a dumb line. And it was, it came out of left field. She don't smell too good. There he is. You could really tell the original vision was just to be like nuts, balls to the wall, like this is a campy, gory horror film. Uh, I think they realized they had something a little bit more on their hands than that. And so they I feel like they dialed it back a little bit. They had one vision when they shot it, and I think that they they had to cut that line because the creeper wasn't menacing at all after that. It was just like, oh, this guy's a jokester. Like, he's just an asshole. Like, he's an unstoppable asshole. <laughs> like, that's basically <laughs> what it's... An unstoppable <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can't be stopped. Like, it's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's an asshole. Oh, God. What do you even say after you kill Kat? I Really? That boy? It's so sad. She's just this... She's so uninvolved in this. And they drag her into it just to die. But she was just having a lonely night. Her and her cats. And, and that's when the creeper was going to talk. I mean, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they brought that mess there. Yeah. I love... I love the... Um, back to the cinematography. I love how they use silhouettes in the police station. They use that a lot. Yeah, but especially in the police station, when they're up against the glass, they're going into that room. It's where the two-way mirror is. That's a great scene with the two-way oh, mirror. Uh, where it it's really just is. watching them on the other side. Uh, I felt like it would have been better if the, the creeper was in silhouettes in that scene also. Um, it's the end of the film, though, and they're just like ready to show every inch of that creature that they possibly can. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great with just the way it's so dark and you get the right accents of light coming in from the outside through the window. But then you have them perfectly backlit. It's it's funny because you get you get on the other side where the creeper is and you can't hear anything. So sound isn't even an option. You're, you're getting so little information, yet you have everything you need. They're arguing and fighting and yelling at each other. You can't hear any of that because you're on the other side of the two-way mirror. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's pretty awesome until you finally get that crazy scary moment where the creeper just bursts into the room because you're expecting it to come through that window because you know it's there and then all of a sudden it just comes through the door like it's already walked around you'd have no idea where this thing is it's so fast that is terrifying that moment it, it certainly like makes you hold your breath because you're so scared for them because it's right there and they don't see it coming and that's just such a recurring theme in this movie that the thing is right there and they just don't see it um 
and and it's just so close at that point towards the end. It's just it's so heartbreaking to watch and and it's hard because you can't do anything for them. It's like one of those things, you know, you're you're watching the horror movie and you're screaming, get out, get out. You know, it's it's that moment. Yeah. Um yeah. For me in this film. He's in there. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's a true way Mary is watching you. How do you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> How can you not see what I see? <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, it's just the frustration. That scene you know, so frustrating to watch. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Yeah, and then it just its face opens up, and then it flies away with Justin Long. <laughs> yeah. And steals his eyes. <laughs> that's what he wanted all along. I think that's so iconic, too, when you see the hollowed-out Justin Long and the song is playing at the end, and yeah. she Creepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? And, you know, we see, you know, the creeper puts his eyes up and they're Justin's eyes, you know, they're brown and it's just, ugh, just sad. I would buy that hollowed out Justin Long if I could. <laughs> yeah, what would you do to it? <laughs> okay, I'd wear it. I'd wear it for Halloween. That's what I'd do with it. <laughs> just wear it around. <laughs> I'd have him sign it first. And then I'd wear it to Halloween parties. That'd be a good use of it. Yeah. I mean, that's that thing is got to be sitting in somebody's house somewhere. I would hope. You know, it's plaster, though. So maybe I'd have to break the joints and it would just be my naked Justin Long armor and I could take it into battle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, you know, one thing I forgot to say I would do differently. I know that they got a lot of money cut out of their budget, but in its house of pain, the bodies were too shiny. I, I thought they looked too fake. I think that could be redone to make them look more like preserved humans nowadays. Yeah, I'm. yeah, that could be done better. I, I gave it a pass because they said it was, you know, it was something was off with them. He had done something to them and they don't say what. That's true. I kind of gave it a pass like, oh, well, maybe that's the look that whatever he did to him to preserve him that's what they could have been better that's that's i'm not going to argue with that they definitely could have looked better um and then they would have been obviously more horrifying if they looked more passable yeah jeepers creepers definitely you know worth watching love that movie there are some things that would have changed well this is the films i wish i made so how could you make something without making it a little bit more like yourself <laughs> true true well all right is that is that it are you are you satisfied with your conclusions you know i am just doing a final look over because i i love this film so much i took four pages of notes before doing this here so i just wanted to make sure i go over everything i, I loved um but you know i i think that's it well you can email them if you if you uh, yeah. remember anything she'll email you guys i'm willing to continue this discussion if anybody else wants to talk to me about it yeah <laughs> just, just email me anytime any day any night right email me anytime any place yeah who knows you know without jeepers creepers maybe we wouldn't have dodgeball the way it is well yeah i mean it's i feel like this is one of those films that launched justin long's career i mean you never know if he was going to get another role after this I guess he had one other movie before this. Um, I've never heard of it before. Like Happy Campers. Yeah. I don't. I've never seen it. Never that heard movie. of it. Yeah. So yeah. 
it's it's that and Galaxy Quest. So who knows if he would have gotten another big role had this not come along. And then, True. you know, we wouldn't have gotten Tusk. And you make up your mind about oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that does it. All right. Well, that's that's the podcast, guys. Um, this is the films I wish I made. That was Jeepers Creepers for this episode. Again, you can follow us on the social medias. I'm at Ryan Rochelle. Spooky kooky Haley. Oh, you can also follow our production company social, which is Dakin's Productions. That's D-A-A-K-I-N-S. Stay tuned. Subscribe. All that good nonsense. We've got more films coming up. Our next one will be Eastern Promises. That's an awesome gangster film that I fucking love, and I can't wait to get into that. So, yeah. Have a good one, guys. Stay safe. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) (laughs) The Films I Wish I Made is a Dakin's production. Dakin's Productions is a multimedia company that does more than just make content. We also make original art, such as comics and movies. But only with your support can we consistently thrive in the online arena of entertainment. Check out our coffee page where you can access premium and exclusive content for the right price. Until next time. <laughs>